You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Now, my final guest this evening is the fabulous Andy Clark. He is a food and drink writer, he's a judge, a TV producer and director, and author of Home Bar. A few days ago, I caught up with him to find out what he's been up to and what drinks he recommends serving this Christmas. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Andy, fantastic to have you on the show today because I know you have been up to your eyeballs, rubbing shoulders with some Irish well-known figures as well as some real stars from the UK. So before we talk a bit about cocktails and mocktails for Christmas, tell me about Joan Collins because I saw on (laughs) social media you were with, is she a dame? Dame Joan Collins? She is. Dame Joan Collins. Dame Joan. Yes, I was um, invited to a lovely dinner, an intimate dinner with Joan and her um, husband, Percy, who are both delightful, by the way. Just need to put that out there because people often say, what are these people like? And don't meet uh, your your heroes and the people that you've admired over the years because you may well be disappointed. I think we've probably both been in that camp sometimes where you've met people who thought, oh, okay, they're not quite what I was imagining. But it was lovely because she's an ambassador for uh, Marks and Spencer, a food ambassador, food and drink ambassador. So they invited a bit of um, their sort of, you know, a few uh, journalists and writers. And they actually, when we were there, they shut the door in this beautiful venue um, called Carousel. It's a restaurant in Charlotte Street in London. And we were in the upstairs lovely room. They made it look more festive than Santa's actual grotto. Um, and they shut the door and said, look, we've invited our inner circle of industry friends to be here for a special dinner. And um, yeah, hosted by Dame Joan. It was exactly what she would have if we were at her house. So if you imagine, we've got our little sparkly place settings. And on our place settings, they've already put some nibbles out. And we've had a few trays of nibbles and a glass of champagne. And uh, on our place setting is a dry vodka martini, because that's what Joan loves. And it's no garnish. She doesn't like a garnish. No furniture on that drink, Sharon, I tell you. So I've got, I feel I've got the inner workings of it. I'm just going to serve things. Well, Dame Joan does it like this. So I'm going to do it like this. So anyway, it was lovely. And, you know, we all love the convenience factor of an M&S. And as soon as their festive nibbles come out, we love it. I mean, we certainly do in our house. I love making things from scratch, but sometimes racking a few pre-made treats in the oven is the way forward. And it was just the most delightful thing. And She's 90 years old. I was going to ask you what age is she? Because like she's no spring chicken, but she looked absolutely amazing. Yeah, she really did. I mean, if I, well, A, if I ever make it to that age, um, I would, if I look half as good as that, I won't be quite wearing the same clothes. You know, she looked great in heels. I don't as. Um, but she looked amazing and she was on her feet and being social and, you know, I couldn't have, there was a photographer there and I couldn't help but put some pictures on social media. And I actually think it's probably one of my most popular posts on Instagram yet, uh, me and Dame Joan. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me, but I also think somebody else that you probably got a lot of likes in your posts would be our Irish Cloda McKenna. (gasps) Oh, lovely Cloda. I adore that woman. We met for the first time at the Shrewsbury Flower Show, which has a a big food aspect of the festival in the summer. And then we were both um, asked to host some uh, canapes, Christmas and winter canapes and nibbles workshops at the BBC Good Food Show. 
so up at the NEC, huge exhibition centre um, on the outskirts of Birmingham. And we were doing that um, for uh, Prosciutto de Palma. So the Palma ham, beautiful Palma ham that you can get um, everywhere. And we were doing some nibbles, you know, blue cheese stuffed dates wrapped in Palma ham. And we did some whipped lemon ricotta with a ripped basil um, in a little parcel with the with the Palma ham. And just giving tips about, you know, put it in the oven, put it in a pan, crisp it up, put it over your turkey, do pigs in blankets with Palma ham. And Cloda is just one of life's lovely people and um, I'm working with her at um, a festival next year the Royal Bath and West show um, in the West Country in Chapter Mellet in the summer and I'm really looking forward to that and uh, we we I, I can talk a lot and me and Claudia can imagine we're just chatting away but it was lovely to lovely to see her again she's a she's a wonder group and, and then the the other person that you you've done some work with this year um is a bit of a he's a social media star and that's nathan from board of lunch he's from northern yeah. Ireland. he is yeah i mean i followed uh nathan for a while online as many hundreds of thousands of people have and we got to work together again uh last week at good food show um, i was doing a lot of um backstage interviews um, for social media and it was great because you know uh, we were aware of each other and it was just really really nice to be able to sort of uh, swap tips he was giving me air fryer tips and I was giving him cocktail tips so uh, um, and he's lovely he's brilliant and you know you can learn a lot from his social media and it's just nice to um, sort of meet people face to face that maybe you only know online you know so uh, uh, that was a that was a great a, a great thing to do. I think it's it's wonderful that some people out there, they just were on social media because they enjoyed being on it. They didn't have any end game. And Nathan yeah. was very much like that, where he was just putting up things that he made because he was bored of lunch and, and it just went completely viral. And he's making a career out of it now. So I, re I really admire him for yeah. that. Yeah, I think there's something really nice when it's, you can tell these days when something's genuine. You know, when you're scrolling through social media, you can spot a mile off people that are just doing something just because of the sponsorship or whatever, and there's no heart in it. And, and you know, sometimes, yes, we all put stuff out there and we're paid to do something. But I think if you believe in the brand and believe in the product, that's fine. But I think it has to come from your heart. And I think people will sniff that out very quickly if it's not genuine. Absolutely. And uh, talking about sniffing, there's no better smell <laughs> than the smell of fish and chips smothered in vinegar. Oh, oh, I I love, you know, I love fish and chips. And actually, I have to say, when we've been over um, in uh, Malahide for Christmas, we've on Christmas Eve, we've visited the chipper. And, you know, that nice little easy dinner before uh, you go into the, the nonsense and the fun of Christmas Day. But, yeah, I've been lucky enough to be working with Sarsons, the um, uh, vinegar company. Um, me and um, my friend Nick, who is a lifestyle, international lifestyle guru and expert, um, we uh, call ourselves the chip advisors. And uh, we've got... Uh, We've got lots of ideas in our head about going around, sort of helping people get to the 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 right chipper and making sure they have a um, a good meal. But we've we've teamed up with Sarsons to do um to help them with a the campaign, which is all about um saving uh, your local uh, chip restaurant. Um, they're calling it their Fry Fry Yay campaign. Um, and um, Sarsons, you can notice as it's Sarsons Friday with a Y. Co.uk. And um uh yeah, going around encouraging people to visit their local uh. Uh, chipper because if everybody went to their local restaurant a couple more times a year you could help save them from going under a lot of them are small struggling businesses 
with overhead ingredients costs all rising, it's really, really hard. And they're helping people uh, by uh, saying that we'll, we'll, we'll pay for your dinner if you can do a little post with the sarsens in shot and a picture of your meal. And so we've been visiting small uh, businesses uh, around the UK. We've been down to Cornwall and Devon, and we've just come back from uh, Glasgow and Scot uh, and, and Edinburgh, where Nicky's from, to do a couple of winter ones. And uh, oh, I've got to say, I you know, I've eaten... I've eaten a lot of maybe fatty food. I think I need a lot of broccoli now. But um, even things like deep fried haggis, if you've not had it, Sharon, it is beautiful. Have you ever had deep fried haggis? No, I haven't had haggis full stop. No, Andy, it just doesn't appeal to me. Now, anything fried, battered and fried is usually, it doesn't matter what's inside there. It makes everything a lot more palatable. It, I, I love fried food. I do. I mean, they deep fry their pies then. There's something about fried pastry, which is all kinds of wrong, but I love it. They even had um, deep fried white pudding. Okay. And I thought, you know, I was thinking, good job I haven't got a deep fat fryer. Otherwise, I'd be, I'd be getting the kind of kilty out of the freezer and whacking it in, you know. Well, look, you mentioned Malahide there and your husband, Alan, is from Malahide. So you have yeah. Christmas there and you're due to go over in a few weeks' time. Tell us about... Christmas Day in Malahide and the traditions that you have and, and how you start the day off and how you finish it off? Well, I have to say that the day will start like any other day with a nice strong cup of Barry's tea. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a staple. But then on Christmas Day, obviously, you know, you can quickly move on to opening the chocolates and opening the fizz. And I do think have the fizz as you go. You know, did we learn nothing from Keith Floyd? If you're going to be cooking the lunch, you know, get a glass on the go and it's fun. Um, and uh, I think the tradition is very much get Alan's parents out of their own kitchen. Put the hazard tape up. Do not let them near the oven or anything, because if we can do it, you know, I think I mean, we're not control freaks. He says he caveats this. But if we're cooking, we know when things are happening, how it's happening, what is happening. And, you know, you know, when it's up to somebody else. And then your favorite accompaniment is not on the table. You're like. Oh, I should have just said I love a bit of Paxo stuffing or I love um, a, a ton of gravy, which I do uh, or whatever. But we will do that and we will always go down to um, Kerrigan's and we'll get turkey and their beautiful little chipolatas and you know, the pigs in blankets. Um, and uh, yeah, we do it like that, but we'll always have nibbles along the way, like some maybe little prawny things, smoked salmon things, um, crisps and dips. Regulate it. People make the fatal mistake of saying, oh, we're having a big meal today. I'm not going to eat for the for the start of the day, which Alan's dad does. And I'm like, no, but that's a completely different meal. You need something because otherwise, when you have the roast dinner, you'll hump into it and stuff yourself so full because you haven't eaten since last night that you end up not feeling great. So regulate, enjoy. And then you also want to leave a bit of space for the turkey sarnies in the evening, don't you? And maybe that bit of crispy bacon that you put over the top, you put that in the sandwich. I've even been known to put bread sauce in the sandwich and Alan makes a mean bread sauce. So our traditions are very much around food and drink and just making sure that we cry with laughter and just remember the good times. A lot of people aren't as fortunate as us to be, um, you know, to, gosh, I don't know, get, to get to our age or to have the, the family environment we have. So I think we should really be thankful for what we've got. I think it is important to remember that Christmas Day is a marathon, not a race. Um, <laughs> you know, I do like to start the day with a little bit of fizz, but I, I would, you know, I would say, look, I'll have some orange juice into it. I'll make it into a box fizz or a mimosa or whatever. Yes. To just try and pace, pace myself 
Um, as you say, the few nibbles along the way just means that you're not having all of that alcohol on an Exactly. Because I bet you Alan's dad doesn't wait until the Christmas lunch to have his first drink of the day. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, my tip for Christmas Day and any day is if you're going to drink at any point, early doors, start later, or if you're going to have cocktails even, have a glass of water for every drink you have. Because I think it's really important to remember you don't want to peak too soon. And there is something about the way our body processes alcohol during the daytime hours, which means we end up getting tired. You know, if you and I were to go out for lunch and have a glass of wine each even, after that we'd be like, and, you know, you need to remember to hydrate and to keep it going, you know, because then then you can party late. And I, I don't like to be the first to bed. Just gonna say that now. I always like to uh, like to be having fun. But what about you in your house? Would you be? Are you chief cook when it comes to Christmas lunch? Well, I tell you, I don't have the jugs of water sitting around the place to hydrate myself. That's irresponsible <laughs> advice. So it is. My husband is very much the cook in this family, and I totally get what you're saying about taking control of what's going on in the kitchen because that's saying too many cooks boiled the broth. Yes, you know, it really is sense that because if I'm doing like a roast chicken dinner here at any time of the year, you know, I ha- I know what time it went in at, when it needs the chicken goes in at, when it comes out, the stuff and all of that. I have all of those things timed in my head. Yes. To be in control of that. But my role in Christmas Day is very much the table, setting the table and, and, and having it really nice and pretty and drinks as well, making sure there's drinks. But we do tend... You know, with two smallish children now, we do tend to just stay at home and, and have the dinner, the four of us. And then we would go up to uh, Michael's dad's house and Michael's sister's and, and his uncle would be there as well. So that's nice to do that in the evening. But I suppose we do eat late. Well, you know, three or four o'clock we do eat. So um, there would be lots of nibbles before then just, just to keep us going. But I think it is very important to be relaxed and to enjoy it. There was one year, I think we were, I think we were married two years. We had Christmas here. We'd no, um, we'd no children then. And Michael turned in to Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> he was like up to ninety about everything, doing too many sides and all of that. And I asked <laughs> that everybody was sitting around the table, and it's a kitchen dining room all in one. And he was serving up the stuff, and I was helping. And he just got so Gordon Ramsay like I just walked out of the room and upstairs and I was up in the bathroom thinking I think I might just go to bed for the rest of the day here and then he came <laughs> up please come down and help me it's like oh my god would you dial it down you really love doing this and having people around but you turn into Gordon Ramsay so it's not yes. much for me so you know I heard somebody on on the radio the other day saying like it's just another day it's just another meal why do we have to get ourselves up to 90? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think you can end up stressing yourself out. And you're probably wearing a Christmas jumper and it's hot as anything in that in that kitchen. And you end up getting yourself stressed. And actually, you should be enjoying the day, which is actually quite nice to be able to do prep ahead of time. But you don't need to do eight different vegetable sides with your turkey just focus on maybe two or three that you just do really really well and you have to remember if you're not you'll never please everybody 
And just remember, you've got to please yourself as well as your guests. If somebody doesn't eat one thing, they'll eat the other thing. As long as you've taken into consideration if somebody's vegetarian or they are celiac or whatever, that's the most important thing. And they should be absolutely grateful for what the effort you're putting in. But yeah, don't overdo it. I agree. And and that particular year, Michael was all about his uncle's loved marrow fat peas. Mm. And I'd say February, March time, I opened the microwave. We wouldn't really use the microwave. And there was this ball of mold in it. And that no. was the, fat, the marrow fat peas he'd put into the microwave to heat them up. And sure, he'd completely forgotten about them. Oh, no. That's, that's, that's. Well, we've all, we've all been, I've done it, but I've, I don't know, reheated something and forgotten for a few days, but not three months. Good... We, don't, we don't really use the microwave in the house, you know, and and he was making such a big deal about, you know, there had to be carrots, there had to be parsnips, there had to be broccoli, like too much, too much. Yeah, it's like, work. it's like plate spinning, isn't it? When you've got to keep everything heated and that's come out, we need to let make sure the cauliflower cheese isn't molten, so leave that out for a bit, but then that needs to be really hot. You take vegetables out of being boiled or steamed and they go cold really quickly and it's like you've got to oh, heat that up and then it's like plate spinning but that's what gravy is for if your gravy is pi piping hot i think that's fine because then it will put heat back into everything else and let's face it we need to rest the rest the bird if you're doing a turkey you you know you want it to be rests uh, rested so it's nice and moist and yeah use the gravy as the uh, the balancer of, of heat i think <laughs> and i think a lot of my um good Christmas memories, like funny Christmas memories do involve alcohol. Uh, many years ago, my grandmother on my dad's side was a vodka and Coke drinker. Mm. You know, she always came up to have Christmas dinner with us whenever we were growing up and her sister and her sister didn't drink. And my dad had showed my brother how to do the, the vodka and Coke and, you know, my dad would put a measure of vodka in, then some Coke, and then put a splash of vodka on the top of it as well. Well, my brother was very heavy-handed with the vodka. <laughs> We're sitting around the Christmas dinner table, and I think we'd maybe have the starter, and the main course came, and my grandmother just shoved herself away from the table and, like, was banging upstairs to lie down. And off she went, and the next thing we could hear this thud from upstairs. And, of course, her sister, who doesn't drink, she was just totally appalled. While my brother, sister and I found it totally hilarious. And my yeah. my mother went up and, of course, she, she had kind of passed out in the bathroom upstairs. <laughs> and had to ah! bed. So funny. It's just one of those, every Christmas, we'll remember that and we laugh about it. It's those memories, isn't it? Those ones where you sort of rolled around laughing a little bit, which is just so, so funny. And I think always retain those. It's almost like you, even if you don't keep a diary, you almost want to sort of uh, scribble those memories down because you don't want to forget them because actually, it, it, you know, it's things like that that I still giggle about from decades ago when my when my grandparents were alive and my aunties and uncles were alive who are no longer with us and yet you've created those traditions and uh, of of silliness and those memories food and drink memories and family memories are some of the most important memories you'll have aren't they and i really love them i really love them <laughs> well i i've mentioned there that you know i like to have the box fizz or the mimosa on uh, christmas morning what cocktails do you like to make at this time of the year that have a real festive flavor to them well, you see, there are many, oh gosh, the great thing is I feel you could twist any cocktail into making it festive. Actually, funny enough, 
if you have a favourite cocktail that you love in the summer, I'm always saying drink seasonally. And um, if you have a favourite cocktail that you make in the summer, um, then you can always make it more of a festive version by adding, if you're shaking a cocktail like, say, I do this Clementine Cosmopolitan, which I mentioned loads of times it's in my book and i love it i probably trust you about it but if you want to make that because everybody has a clementine in their stocking you could put a pinch of mixed spice in that and make it a bit more seasonal you know but i worry that at christmas everything tastes a little bit like a mince pie if you get given a liqueur or you get given i don't know even your coffees you go to coffee shops for um often everything tastes like christmas pudding christmas cake and mince pie and you can get a bit over that one of my favorite things to go to um is uh ginger flavors like because ginger can be both warming and refreshing and i have a, a cocktail called the ginger jingle which is um i use bourbon but you can use whiskey if you have whiskey actually i'd encourage anybody to use their favorite irish whiskey in that because that would be amazing or you can use spiced rum use that white vermouth and it's fortified aromatized wine which is a great cocktail ingredient uh ginger ale or ginger beer and lime juice that's all it is mix it all up Put in your highball glass um, or a Collins glass to make it look really elegant. Put your ice in, but layer your ice up with frozen cranberries. You know, in all supermarkets, you can buy bags of frozen cranberries. You could even buy fresh cranberries at this time of year if you're going to be making your cranberry sauce from scratch. And if you make cranberry sauce from scratch, I don't know about you, I, I always put a slug of slow gin or some berry-based liqueur in it because you get given so many and it adds that lovely bit of flavour. Anyway, I digress. Um, layer up your ice with the frozen cranberries because they act like extra ice cubes. And already before you put the drink in the glass, it looks like an icy berry winter scene, you know, from the garden. Pour your drink in and it's just gorgeous. Um, also, if you want to put a little sprig of rosemary in the top, that makes it look a bit like a Christmas tree <laughs> with baubles on it, which is a really nice way to do it. But also, I love making cocktails with um, fizz. If you've got your, uh, you know, a bottle of uh, fizz. I also don't, if you're going to make a cocktail with fizz, use a good quality uh, bottle of sparkling wine, but maybe not the 30 to 40 to 50 euro bottle of champagne that you've been saving. Drink that neat on its own because that's just going to be beautiful. So if you've got like a Cremant, uh, which, you, you know, is made in a similar way to champagne, that's always nice. Or I really like Carver. Don't know about you, but I love Carver. So you get that and then get a nice flavoured, gin or a flavoured vodka i got one from my hometown which is just five miles down the road um called six o'clock gin and they do a spiced orange and cranberry gin which is new for this year it's a gin not a gin liqueur so it's not too sweet because gin liqueur would be more sugar less alcohol and it's great because they put cloves they put orange wine and they put fresh cranberries in their signature gin one part of that to three parts sparkling wine is just a great great thing and if you want a mocktail uh, version. Have you ever had any sparkling teas, Sharon? No, I've never had a sparkling <laughs> tea. Oh, gosh. Right. I know kombucha isn't for everybody. It can be quite funky. There's the live mother in there. It's it's doing your gut good. And I also say it's a cross between green tea and cider. And I quite like both of those things, which is why I like it. But separate to that, you can actually get sparkling teas, which taste a bit more refined. Um, so you get a wonderful sort of tannic tea note, but they're sparkling in a way and they're served, they're, they, they are sold in a bottle like a, a champagne bottle and if you've got friends coming around who choose not to drink or can't drink or they're the driver get a bottle of sparkling tea in there's a company called the real drinks company and um they do a few different sparkling teas which are just delicious on their own because they're not too sweet i don't know if like me you found that some non-alcoholic sparkling wines just taste like sugar and sherbet and you know so a waste of calories andy a waste of absolutely calories. 
I totally agree with you there. Um, so sparkling tea is a good alternative. It's not overly sweet, but it has flavor. And you can get non-alcoholic distilled spirits with um, sort of um, a bit steeped in real fruit, like berries or whatever you want. So if you can find um, a non-alcoholic distilled spirit and then use the sparkling tea, you can recreate that same cocktail in a totally non-alcoholic version, which is a really nice thing to do. Well, listen, lots of great ideas there. And it's been lovely to hear about your Christmas traditions. Um, before we go, Home Bar, your book, you mentioned it very briefly, a perfect stocking filler. Absolutely. Oh, no, it really is. Thank you for that. Because I, I, I always forget um, to sort of, uh, my husband says, you never shout about sort of, you know, what you do or you, what you've got coming up. I'm like, I know, I forget, I forget. But anyway, yes, Home Bar. It's a lovely uh, book. It's got over 60 cocktail recipes. There's classic cocktails in there using every sort of spirit you may have. You've got um, uh, twists, my twists on some classics like the Clementine Cosmopolitan. There's batch cocktails, stuff that you can do ahead of time or easily for, for guests when they arrive. And also seasonal cocktails. So the section where I have a uh, winter, a spring, a summer, an autumn section so that you know we change up what we eat seasonally. For what's available i think we should change up what we drink so uh that's in there and there's even some easy to make snacks to have with your cocktails and um a lovely little book and i'm really pleased with it and it makes me smile every time i go past that uh, alan makes it, uh, he laughs at me because i wander past a bookshop and if i go past an easton's and i'll go in there and see if the book's in there and it usually is and i i just go how did that happen you know there's a book which i've written on the shelves across across the world uh, but it's a lovely little stocking filler and people should have it on their shelves so I was speaking to somebody yesterday said oh I'd love your book and I'm gonna get your book but I don't really make cocktails it's like it's not the point you have the book so that when your mates come over they make you the cocktails that's what you need she goes yes I'm gonna get she said I'm gonna get some shakers and all that I'm not gonna use them but I'm gonna drag my friends to use them while I cook for them I think that is a good rule of thumb <laughs> Fantastic idea. Listen, great to talk to you. Always great to talk to you, Andy. Have oh. a fantastic Christmas. Happy Christmas to you and all the family, Alan and everybody in Malahide and over in Bristol. And I look forward to catching up with you again in 2024. Absolutely. I shall look forward to it. We can share a cocktail together and I'll, I'll see you soon. Always lovely to see you, darling. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.